Hello, everyone. This is the Failing Forward podcast. I am Sairana Asan. We have here today Daniel Abbott, the Chief of Party of Chitipulani. Um, Hi, Daniel. Please uh, introduce yourself. Sure. Hello. Thanks, Sairana. Yes, my name is Daniel Abbott. I'm the Chief of Party of the USAID-funded Chitipulani Resilience and Food Security Activity in Malawi. All right. So tell me, Daniel, why is it important for us to talk about failure? Yeah, of course, sometimes our tendency may be to want to avoid that, but uh, obviously it's important to learn from our mistakes. And so uh, sharing some of the challenges we face and some of the failures we've had uh, allows us to find solutions together. And I think it's uh, it's not realistic to assume that there are no failures on any on any significant project. Absolutely. Um, so for today's uh, Failing Forward podcast, we will uh, talk about Titikulane and uh, the Failing Forward learnings that uh, we can take away from it. So what was the context for Titikulane uh, and Failing Forward that you would like to mention? Sure. So Titikulane is a very large project aiming to improve food and nutrition security for uh, vulnerable households in Malawi. And it's quite large and complex. And really the failure that we had on Titikulani is that it got off to a very slow start so that the project was really behind schedule and underperforming. And that led to a need to really speed up and start to deliver some of the work on the ground. And in doing that, a lot of activities were delivered in a very disjointed fashion rather than really integrated as we'd like to see them. And I think a part of the the challenge that we also faced in, in getting off the ground was that we weren't uh, able to capture all of our data and be able to report on the full reach of the project as well. So our m and system wasn't fully developed as we were starting to implement. Tell us more about that. Uh, what went wrong? Why uh, did you face all of those, if you can elaborate? Yeah, certainly. So I think... Why the project got off to a slow start, I think it's multifaceted, but there were some significant external factors, probably the most prominent being that the project was starting just as the COVID pandemic was uh, really coming to the fore. Uh, So that really put the project behind schedule, um, not being able to get out to communities or to do some of the research that was required in the early part of the project. There were other challenges around not being able to use some of the data from the government of Malawi and and the project needing to do surveys and census of the households in the two districts where we're working. So I think those were some of the factors that got us behind. And then, as as I was mentioning, that the fact that we were behind really uh, required the project to try and speed up to, to start to deliver some results. And that drive to get some results and, and to really hit the ground led to a number of different project components being rolled out uh, almost independently without the, the right sequencing or integration of the interventions. And other, other interventions were just uh, got off the ground you, you know, later than into the project than we'd like to see altogether. So I think tied up with that were there were some areas that needed to be strengthened in terms of some of the project management systems, as well as the engagement with our our key counterpart in the government of Malawi to make sure that we were really working hand in hand with them. So I think there were some weaknesses there as well. Uh, That is great. Um, Do you have any specific examples for Chichipulane in uh, terms of failing forward? Sure. So I think when we, when I mentioned about some of the activities rolling out in the wrong, uh, without the right sequencing or integration, 
if we look at our nutrition interventions, we have care groups where we're reaching out to uh, pregnant women and, and uh, mothers of young children with nutrition education. And that's a key platform for the project. And a subset of the participants there were also receiving nutrition cash transfers every month to, to help mothers to buy diverse foods to feed their children. But unfortunately, the care group platforms were really not rolled out fully and the, and the nutrition education fully in place before some of the, the cash transfers started. So that gave the wrong impression that uh, the care groups were just uh, only about the cash transfers and that cash transfers were the, the really main intervention, whereas that was just a subset for a particular group of, of mothers. So I think that's one example of how just having the sequencing and, uh, and timing of the activities was a bit of a challenge. I think there, there are others as well. In our agriculture work, we, uh, we did have challenges with bringing on board a financial service provider to support us with providing agricultural loans to farmers. And because of those challenges, CARE ended up facilitating loans directly to farmers. Certainly when you put an NGO in front rather than a private sector partner, uh, farmers, the motivation to repay uh, was definitely diminished. And so we found the repayment rate on those loans was uh, was lower than, than we would have liked. And we've certainly had to shift and bring on other partners. And uh, over the last two agricultural seasons have been able to work with, uh, with financial service providers providing tailored loans for farmers to access quality agricultural income. And then, yeah, as I said, with the M&E system, I think we had, we had a system that was developed and into place, but it wasn't fully developed for us to capture some of the key data all the way down to the ground level. So for example, with farmers, we were capturing in our system the training that the project would do for lead farmers, but we didn't have a systematic way to capture uh, the cascade training from those lead farmers to the farmer producer groups that they were supporting. And so we were actually missing a, a big portion of, of the participants of the project in our m and systems uh, over the first couple of years. Okay, um, so these are three great examples for uh, in terms of learning. Uh, so how did you move past all of it, like the nutrition, agriculture, and the m and uh, uh, failing forward? Yes. So I think that we, as CARE, um, the organization took feedback from our donor from USAID quite seriously in terms of spotlighting some of the, the shortcomings on the project. And their CARE had an opportunity with some transitions on the project to bring in new leadership and to really ensure that the full technical expertise and support of the, of the organization was behind the project. So with that support there, I think we were able to identify some of the gaps that, uh, that I've mentioned, and then to really identify ways to, to overcome those. So to be able to take a step back and go back and to reorient some of the project participants on how the interventions really needed to work, uh, how we would be implementing them, who would be eligible, et cetera. So to clear up a lot of that. I think that also as a project, as a, as a new management team, we were able to really ensure that the, the full project was really working according to our detailed implementation plan that, you know, a lot of effort went into to make sure that we had integrated approaches and that activities were sequenced properly. And then on the M&E piece, that was really just a, a huge lift with our monitoring and evaluation team and the whole project team putting a lot of effort into 
reviewing the existing tools, uh, developing new tools where they were needed and rolling those out, and um, some good commitment from the staff on the front lines for ensuring that we systematically are collecting and reporting on our data. And I think that's gone really a, a great distance towards closing those gaps that we'd experienced. So if you had the chance to do it again, what would you do differently? So I think that what we would want to do is to make sure that those systems that we've now gotten into place were there at the outset. So I think we would have put more attention on ensuring the full m and &E system was built out properly at the outset to make sure that as we were entering communities, we had enough time for the full community mobilization process to uh, really orient communities to how the project would be operating and, and how the different components were linked together so that we're, we're getting the maximum impact of the joint activities. Um, how are you using what you learned from the process right now? Yeah, so I think it's been an ongoing process of uh, learning and adapting as we go. So over the at least the year and a half that I've been with the project, we've been able to identify some of the gaps and then ensure that we have new tools or systems in place and, and really being utilized to close those gaps. So that includes on the ME system and on some of the management tools ensuring that we're really adhering to technical standards, you know, quality standards uh, during our implementation. So I think all of these areas are where we've been able to note uh, to really identify the gap and find solutions to those and just to keep iterating as we keep improving. And then I think the other piece is also just to ensure that uh, the team stays motivated because I think the, the project went through some difficult periods and, and staff was working really hard, but not quite getting to where uh, where we were aiming to be at. So as the project has really turned around, being able to appreciate the efforts of the team and the successes that we're achieving has been important as well. The integrated approach for Titipulane is what worked really well uh, for the is coming out of those failures and taking in the learning. So are there any challenges that you're still facing? I, well, of course, the project of this scale where there's always going to be some challenges there. I would say that we are now into year five of this project and on, on the tail end of it. And the, the key effort we have now is making sure that the gains that have been achieved can be sustained. And so I think the challenge that we have is that the project, these resilience food security activities really have a cycle where there's supposed to be a phased withdrawal to bring some of the local service providers to the front with the project supporting from behind over the last couple of years. And because Titicolani really got off to a, a delayed start, the period for implementation got really compressed so that we've had a huge scale of implementation over the last couple of years. And now we're into the last full year of the project and have to quickly demobilize or to step back while um, our key counterparts in the private sector and governments and communities are taking ownership for the activities. So I think that's the challenge is just trying to manage that with less time than is uh, really envisioned for that phase of the project. With the delayed start of Titukulani, uh, how many um, active years did you think Titukulani got to get out of those um, gaps? Yeah, so the, the design of the project includes one year in doing research to refine the program approaches before starting implementation. But unfortunately, due to the factors I mentioned earlier with COVID and necessity of doing a survey of all of the households in our implementation areas, 
we really didn't start implementing until we were almost into year three. So that means we've just had two full years of implementation on the ground and now into the year five where we're starting to reduce our direct implementation or we've already started to reduce our direct implementation and really supporting some of the linkages and systems that have been put in place. What's uh, one action you'd recommend to other care colleagues based on this uh, experience with Tijikul Yeah, I think it's similar to what I mentioned earlier as well, just to say that I think there really needs to be a focus on getting the entry and startup of projects right to put that attention there to make sure that systems are in place and that the whole team is really pulling in one direction. So that's, you know, around the ME systems, around having really well thought out detailed implementation plans and ensuring the community mobilization, community visioning piece of the project has enough support before moving into the direct implementation. Hey, so if... Um, this is my last question to you. Is uh, If you had to sum up your key learning in one sentence, what would it be? Yeah, so I guess it seems or sounds simple, but it's not necessarily easy. But it's just making sure that, that we're really intentional and thoughtful about the rolling out a project and ensuring that we have the right management tools and systems in place. Thank you so much, Daniel, for sharing your insights and experiences on Tijupulani's failing forwards. Yeah, thanks, Irana. So I just would like to highlight that the partnership with both USAID as well as our partners in the government of Malawi, especially the Department of Disaster Management Affairs, brought a lot of expertise and, and insights so that it was really important to be discussing some of the challenges the project faced and then to be grappling with those to overcome them collectively so that we're all moving together with a common vision and uh, owning the improvements that we're delivering. So I just uh, wanted to note that that was very helpful to be able to get good feedback from from partners at both the USAID as well as the government of Malawi. And as I noted, I should thank also the staff of Titikolani because they've been through a lot and they've worked so hard and they've delivered really incredible results as a project now. We've exceeded our targets and on terms of the scale as well as providing achieving outcomes across different sectors of the project um, beyond the targets that we'd set. So really proud of the work that the team has done and confident that the communities in Malawi that we're working with are really benefiting. That is very inspiring, Daniel. Thank you so much for your closing remarks and thank you everyone for joining us. Great. Thanks, Irana. Thanks all.